All right, welcome back to That Happened. That Happened. We're on episode two. Can you believe it? Episode two? No, I can't. We've made it so far. I can't believe it. And we're here again. We bought the mics. We bought all this stuff. It took us a while to figure out how to work on how to get it to work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We were like episode one by Halloween. Um, But then we realized we had to learn some stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Every time we sat down, we're like, all right, tonight's the night. Let's go in there. Let's do this podcast. And then an hour and a half of troubleshooting later, we were like, ah, let's just we'll try again later. It's almost like doing sound is like a whole career or something. And we can't just pick it up in 20 minutes. Uh Little do you know. Do we know? Do Little did we know. Oh, yeah. This is hard. It's hard to do. <laughs> but we did it. Yeah. Now look at us. Look at us. Hopping I have right headphones in. this episode. Wow. Upgrade. I didn't last time. Yeah. You look fantastic in your headphones. Thank you. I really like yours, too. Yeah. Hey, red ones. Yeah. You let me wear yours last time. So yeah. technically you have old headphones. It's- Episode. I know, and they're just for my PlayStation too. I just pulled them off and plugged it in. They're very comfortable. They are, yeah. And, and you know what? I'm not wearing earrings today. Nice. Yeah, planning ahead. Planning. Look at you. Look at me. It's almost like you meant to do this. Uh, yeah, not really. I actually wasn't planning on this, but I'm really excited that we are. <laughs> just worked out that way. It just wor- we're just so lucky, just so lucky. All right, so welcome to that happened. The podcast where I tell Scoot strange things that, that happened. happened. Oh, we're so good at that. The second time we're pros now. Um, and you wanted me to say our podcast, right? I think you did it right that time. Did I, did I do it right? I think so. Oh, wow. Like, it sounded good to me. All right, let's roll with it. Now, let's take a minute and do our mm. traditional cheers. cheers. What cheers are we going to do? What, what country? Do you happen to know the French cheers? No. Do you know the British? No. What? Oh. I don't know where any of them are from. I guess Cheers is pretty British. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Well, this today's story isn't about Britain, but it involves it eventually in the future. So we'll do the British one. Cheers. Just regular. I'm sorry. Cheers. Cheers. Cheerio. What are you drinking tonight, Red? White wine. White wine. Chilled white wine. Chilled white wine. It's chilly. I'm drinking uh, Rocky Mountain water. Oh. It's just Coors Light. In honor of the Broncos? In honor of the Broncos. Beating the Chiefs? I know your dad's going to make fun of me because it's light beer, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I don't think my dad makes fun of people. He might point it oh. out, and it might sound like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> think. Yeah, he just teases me But he doesn't. It. He doesn't mean it. No. He says it out of love. Yeah, I just know next time he comes, I'm going to have to put... IPAs. IPAs in oh, yeah. yeah. He loves IPAs. Yeah. I don't have... I never drink IPAs because I think they're yucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a little too much flavor for you? It's too flavorful. Too much I want flavor. my beer bland and hydrating. I remember I remember the day I made you che- grilled cheese with garlic on it. Oh, yeah. You were so upset. First of all, I didn't even like grilled cheese then. <laughs> yeah. And you're adding all these extra flavors yeah, to it. Before that, it was just cereal, right? No. <laughs> I want cereal for breakfast. And I cereal did, for I did dinner. grow up eating cereal every meal of the day, though. Okay, there is respect in that. And I love original Cheerios. It's I like know. My oh, my cereal. God. There's no flavor. I love it. It's them. your favorite thing. <laughs> I absolutely love them. <laughs> okay, I'm going to um, do a quick quiz for our listeners. 
listeners, and you got to answer, but give it five seconds so they can think about it. Okay. Listeners, can you guess what Scoot's favorite ice cream flavor is? Like all time favorite. Ready? All right. Answer. Vanilla. That's true. <laughs> I love it. It's so good. It's your favorite. Yeah. Anytime we're like going through. I, okay. If we go to like Baskin Robbins or a place that has a lot of flavors, I don't just get vanilla though. I do like pistachio almond. Yes, but you're always eyeballing that vanilla. I am. That's like fair. you betrayed it. If it's like, like you're really all I want, I swear they're making me do this. This is your silent message. <laughs> yeah, if it's like a frosty or like a buffet place that has an ice cream machine, it's vanilla every time, and I'm I'm really am enjoying it. But I'm not going to like a place that has a bunch of flavors and like, can I get vanilla? No, no, I hear you, and I raise you a trip to Culver's. Culver's has got, it's oh, not everyone fair. has Culver's, but it's basically a burger drive through but it has a lot of ice cream mixed drinks like Dairy Queen does. Yeah. And you can add like 50 different toppings and get all these ice cream flavors. I get peanut butter <laughs> ice cream with cookie dough bites inside because that's the best. Yeah. And yeah. extra peanut butter. Well, I have a, th- that's my thing. I love it. And then what do you get there? I just want the vanilla cone. <laughs> It's really good. He's like, I'll try other stuff. I I have yet to see it. Yeah. But I respect your your connection with the vanilla. It's so, yeah, it's really, and, really good. And dislike of too much flavor in general. I just want the simple things, you know? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Just van- plain vanilla ice cream. I know that's like a meme, like, oh, they're so vanilla. You're like, like ooh, oh, they're so boring. you with that I meme, really like the guy vanilla. and the girl with the red dress. You're like me with vanilla ice cream. Ooh. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> Flavored ice cream, vanilla ice cream. Ooh. Okay. Uh, so welcome to our podcast that happened. We already gave you our little intro. Um, again, this is sponsor time. Yet to get a sponsor, but hopefully we'll get one. Hey, I'm one looking day. forward to it. And one day. and then we would like to start our story right after this. I hope you enjoyed that amazing music uh, by the wonderfully talented Teresa Sudam. Creates yeah, thank you Teresa. Songs. Thank you Teresa. They were Love really. It. it was really hard to choose which oh, yeah, one she, to pick. She gave us several samples, right? Yeah, yeah. It was hard to pick. She she's she was like, "What you want? I got you." And then she gave us so many options. We were like, "But they're all good." I know. I was kind of hoping she'd just send one, and then we wouldn't have to pick it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we got no. we got four. We're like, oh. They're all amazing. I don't know what I'm doing. Which yeah, one? just pick that one. I yeah. like the one we picked, though. I think it suits it. Yeah. It's, especially because we asked her for, like, a Halloween creepy one and then changed the whole vibe. And it speaks to her music that it yeah. still works. Yeah, and carries it's fantastic. Over. Really good. And um, did you hear that Teresa Sudian's coming out with some Christmas mu- music this year? I know. I can't wait to hear it. Oh, my gosh. I was just think- telling Scoot, like, last week, we need new Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Ever um, since Mariah Carey, there's been, like, no new Christmas music. Nothing to write home about. Well, there was Teresa, Teresa's new song last year. Oh, yeah. It was really good. Yeah, 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 And now we get a whole bunch more. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. All right. To today's topic at hand. Scoot. Yeah. Would you like to continue the tradition of guessing who it's about? 
Uh, yeah, I would. I got I got lucky last time, and I guessed it right first try. So I don't know if I can beat that, but it depends on the. Um, I can give you a really good clue. Yeah. Or I can not give you a really good clue, and you'll definitely not guess it. But I, mean, I think I can give you a good clue, and you could guess it and still not know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I feel like last time I only guessed it because, you know, we talked about Napoleon, and he's pretty famous. He's a big name. Yes. So if it's not like a big name like that, I don't know if I'll know who it is. In certain circles, this is a very big name. Okay, yeah. Maybe less in um, m- m- modern circles. <laughs> it's yeah, a big well, deal for me. Okay, uh, give me a hint. Uh, the CRV. What? It's a good hint. Eleanor? It's a good hint. Yes! I don't know anything other than that, though. <laughs> I just know you call your CRV Eleanor. Yeah, I named her after... A major historical figure. Right. I remember that. Well, you just said you don't know anything else. No, I just know that you named it after someone historical named Eleanor. I don't know anything other than that. Well, what an opportunity this is for you. Another learning Uh, opportunity. Yes. I'll pause there. (laughs) I was trying to remember what the word was. Oh, Opportunity. You just said it too and I forgot. Oh, it happens. Yeah. But yeah, this is kind of the person that I named my little beater car after because she just keeps going. She's tough as nails. Um, and uh, I just think this woman is as well. And her name's Eleanor of Aquitaine. Well, I hope she holds up to the Honda CRV's reputation because that Honda really hasn't let us down. It's a 98 Honda CRV. For real. <laughs> it's been amazing. Oh, yeah. Zips around. I wouldn't want to take any other car into the city. Oh, yeah. That's a city car. It has a table in the back. It has a table. You open the back and you can pull out a table. Yeah, that's what, like, <laughs> and no, we didn't put a table in the back. It's not a car table. It comes with the car. It goes over the spare tire and it's a table with legs and everything. It's awesome. It's amazing. So, um, Eleanor of Aquitaine. While I could easily sit here and say, yes, definitely holds up. Unfortunately, today's story about her, we're going to kind of focus on like early years. So we can't really test her longevity and um, incredible resilience in the long term. Okay. She lived for 82 years and she lived in the 1100s. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really long time. Yeah. For 1100s. Yeah. Okay. Just <laughs> I mean, that's not even the coolest fact. This is like the least interesting fact about her. But dang, that's a really woman. long time. Yeah, she's fighter. She's a fighter. That's back when they were like talking about biles and stuff for your healthcare, right? Like, yeah. oh, your biles are out of balance and all that stuff. And somehow she's eighty-two out here with them, like, yeah, bloodletting and all that stuff. She, she's still kicking, throwing bows, what have you. Uh, over her life. We're going to do a few facts over her life, and then we're going to really talk about the first 20 years, um, kind of how she blossomed into what she was going to become. Yeah, I, I feel, again, I'm talking about her age. I feel like, you know, when you, everyone gets old and they hit around like 70 or 80, and then they're just like waiting to die? It's probably because in the 1100s, she hit 20. And she just waited 60 years to die. <laughs> she was like, this is it. I've made it. Yeah. And, oh, I'm still here. Any day now. Any day. <laughs> she hits 42. She's like, that's it. It's the meaning yeah. of life yep. right there. I'm almost done. She's halfway. <laughs> halfway. Half- she's halfway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So in her life, if we step back, 
She married two different kings. She was married to the king of France and the king of England. Ooh. Yeah, not I just, see you, Eleanor. Yeah, major kings. Yeah. Big deals. Yeah. She was kidnapped. She was imprisoned in a castle for 16 years. Oh, wow. And she went on a failed crusade. She attended a crusade that was a miserable failure. I believe most of them were, but they kept doing it. And she attended one of those as a fancy lady. Most of them were. You know, I should probably do more research before I throw out (laughs) facts like that. Failed crusade. You mean just a regular crusade? Uh, Oh, got him. I'm so quick on the the draw. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I, I just think she's an amazing example of people just doing... Whatever they want in life. Yeah, just YOLO. Yeah. yeah. Your whole life. I know, that's super old. You know, who knows? That's so 2012. Um, And in order to become this person who, you know, when she was imprisoned, you know, we're not going to get into this today, but she was imprisoned by her husband. Well, which one? The second one. I forgot which one that is. I didn't tell you in your defense. Um, The English one. Am I not supposed to know this yet? No, no, no. We're not getting into this today, so I'll tell you whatever you want. So sorry. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, she was imprisoned by Richard. No. But again, I didn't do research on this part as much. But the English king she was married to um, and her son, you've probably heard this name, was Richard the Lionheart. I have heard that. I don't know. He's a major figure in the Crusades. So after she got out of the castle, like her husband finally died. And her son, Richard the Lionhearted, was like, all right, you can come back. Or, you know, you don't, you're not banished or yeah, imprisoned yeah. anymore. I don't know why you were locked up in the And first she comes place, back but... to run England. And Richard's like, peace out. I'm going on the Crusades for another several long time, years. Several and, um, long Then time. she's just in charge of England again in, like, her 70s. <laughs> and then Richard dies. And then her other son becomes king. So she is just... Did you just... um? Oh, wow, that sounded crazy. She was just, um... Sorry, I caught, I had to cough. Yeah, you did the right thing, but I tried it using really the blew. mic button. <laughs> and then I bumped into it. Can I fix the mic? I bumped into it. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. I can fix it? Okay. Oh, we'll probably just cut that whole part. Did you, is it still recording? It's recording. I said probably, not definitely. So okay. if you're hearing this right now, then we did not. <laughs> eh, it'll be fine. <laughs> we, again, very skilled sound engineers, picked it up in 20 minutes. We know what we're doing. I accidentally burped on it, too. <laughs> I completely forgot. <laughs> you're just having a good time. I know. Oh, my God. It's the vibe. Like, I know I said it last, <clears throat> the last podcast, too, that I'm in a class for work right now. Oh my god, I completely forgot. Oh. I'm sneezing all the time. I like have to sneeze so bad. And it's a quiet class full of people. And I'm just up there sneezing like three times in a row super loud. And everyone's like, bless you. It's so embarrassing. (laughs) All these other jacked mechanics like, bless you. No, they're a bunch (laughs) of old white guys. Oh. Bless you. Oh, bless you. (laughs) Yeah. I assume they're angry. I don't know. It is an angry bless you. (laughs) It is an angry, like, how dare you sneeze? How dare you? Bless you. Yeah, but they like, it's like they have to say it. I'm like, no one has to say it. 
You don't have to say bless you every time I sneeze. I've already sneezed seven times today. You don't have to keep saying it. But Scoot, it. you live in the South. The, yeah. You do. Yeah. <laughs> or you're making, by not saying it, you're making a statement. That's how the South works. I got a question. By saying it, you're going under the radar. If someone says bless you, mm-hmm. do I have to say thank you? Is that a part of the rule? I'm asking you because you're from the South. Is that oh. like a Southern rule? Uh, if Like I sneeze. Someone always says bless you. Do I have to say thank you after they say that? I, uh, it depends on the situation, right? So if you have three people say bless you, you don't need to look all three of them dead in the eye and be like, thank you. Thank right, you. Right, right. Yes. And thank you. But do I have to say thank you just to the air? Like to the, cause I don't know who says it most of the time. You can acknowledge it with a wave of your hand. You don't have to, but okay. it is polite to acknowledge it and it doesn't have to be verbal if that is my understanding if you have a different understanding and you're from the south uh feel free to let us know i'm still you know i grew up in the south i'm still learning the rules and uh if you're from the north uh, keep your mouth shut we don't care I'm just we, no one asked you <laughs> you don't know no one asked you Scoot's from the north so that's why he's asking <laughs> well i'm really from the west but the northern side of west uh, yeah culturally a little bit of both, really, where you're from. A little bit south, a little bit north. It is, yeah. I mean, the south really is the southeast. Like, it doesn't. It's not like you just draw a line on the bottom of the U.S. <laughs> and it goes all the way across. All right, so how about we get back? Yeah, to what were we talking about again? The top. Now I have to cough. All right, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Let's start at the beginning, because, like I said, we're going to cover the first couple decades of her life and uh kind of her first major blossoming yeah or it it can appear that way but in my mind i see it as the first time that she is acknowledged as a person of intelligence and a person to be feared in an argument so and not she, treated as a woman essentially at this era or most eras yes <laughs> yeah and yeah. she she manages that by the age of 20 which i'm just like Wow. 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 So we are looking at the land of Aquitaine, where she was born in 1122. Nice symmetrical one, one, two, two. That is nice. Isn't it nice? So do you know what country Aquitaine is in? No, I was just about to ask you that. It's basically the south half, southern half of France. Okay. It's a huge area it's not quite a kingdom right it's like a province a land it's not it's its own deal yeah um if you go back into medieval europe it's nothing like it is right now it's not like solid kingdoms with solid boundaries it's a few kingdoms and a whole lot of lands in between the kingdoms that are like maybe they're hanging out with this king for a while maybe they're hanging out with that king for a while oh that king got excommunicated i'm gonna go over here because i don't want to deal with that um, which is important because then you you see why excommunication from the Pope is like a big, big deal in medieval England because the king and the provinces, they just might lose everything and just be their tiny little little land that they have. So Aquitaine. Yeah, it's more like guidelines versus rules. It's not. Yeah. It's not. So, OK. Yeah. Now, neither of us have been to France yet. No. Um, I'm guessing this is kind of like the area where they grow wine. Um, but historically, it's described as lush, fertile valley. It's Aquitaine because there's so many tributaries and rivers running through this area that it's just like green everywhere. 
Wow. It's not swamp like where we live. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like actual yeah. fertile land and not just sinking, you know, don't fall in. You won't make it land. Yeah. I bet it's gorgeous there. Right. It I, is. Go ahead. I was going to say, I bet the trees actually change colors in the fall. <gasps> I would love to go to France in the fall. I mean, it's the first week of November and the trees are still green here. Except for the ones that are leafless they never changed they just fell have you noticed you start to see some of the just empty yeah. branches yeah, like where the leaves go like i don't know yeah it's like they're falling green mm-hmm. and then like there's leaves all over the grass but i look at the tree and the tree's still green i don't know where they're coming from yeah leaves where they don't belong branches where there should have been leaves no falling leaves no changing color welcome to the south it's confusing <laughs> it's very yeah it's so confusing so the land of Aquitaine, where she was born and raised, she was uh, the heir of it. So her dad ran Aquitaine. He was a count or a duke or whatever. Okay. And um, this area that she was raised in is like the most fertile area in all of Europe. So it's a big deal. It's also huge. It's bigger than what France actually was at the time. Oh. So, you know, she is heir to like the nicest piece of land in all of Europe. Yeah, she really won the lottery with that one. She did. She did. Wow. And she was the older of two sisters and no brothers. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And she comes from like, there's some interesting things about this region. One, her family itself. Her grandfather was a poet and her father was an, a voracious reader who also liked bullying people and having a lot of violent fights. <laughs> Like wow. mash that together, and that's her combo. dad. Yeah. What a combo! Yeah, and uh, and then on the land itself, it was known to be like a font of like art and culture. Uh, where they went, they accepted especially non-religious types, people who like to think and question, and that's kind of this area where she was raised. They brought people from all over to entertain them and to bring different ideas and different thoughts, and. Uh, let me see where I am. Oh, yeah. And also, her father was known for, well, in her family, historically, was known for both installing popes. So they had a lot of influence in the Roman Catholic, I guess you could say, reign over Europe, especially at that time. Yeah. Um, in addition, they also consistently joined rebellions against the pope and against the church. And they were constantly feeding anti-church like problems and so they're just out there doing literally whatever they want yeah. and then they're like let's write poetry and i'm like that's my favorite kind of poet i need to go find her grandpa <laughs> yeah they really were just doing whatever they want well, we're gonna put popes in we're gonna take popes out mm -hmm. we're gonna put popes in and then go to war with them yeah they're yeah. just this yeah, is the all vibe. Over the place and she claims descendancy from charlemagne which i forgot to do further research on but i know he's like a big myth myth mythic level yeah of like hero in the medieval ages a knight that was amazing and that's all i know uh so this is her family <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough uh she traveled a lot and the book i'm reading this, most of this comes from a book because it's the best source of information is it is the source of her intolerance to ennui intolerance to the lack of change to the lack of action. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, she doesn't like change. No, she loves it. That's what I meant. I, I could not have phrased it more confusingly, but that's because I pulled straight from the book. I hear you. And the book was written 
a while ago. <laughs> I know you're a big change person. I yeah, I, I not, vibe with I am Eleanor. I'm not a big change person. Yeah, I'm like I want the same lunch every single day. Well, we we're just discussing how much I like bland food and ice cream. So I yeah, mean, it, it checks I, out. The reader, the listeners are all shocked. This guy's favorite flavor is vanilla, and grilled cheese has too much flavor. <laughs> Doesn't like change. I don't know, but yeah, you know, yeah, we get along out. great, so I think it's a good balance. It's, it is a good balance. We work well. Because I'm a little together. too much into change. I'm like, can we change everything right now? I'm literally going to die. I'm like, if that <laughs> coffee table moves three inches, <laughs> I'm gonna have a heart attack. <laughs> so true. Um, yeah, it is. It is. Did you move the? Did you move the thing? Babe, where's <laughs> that thing that I put there that's not supposed to move ever? That's where I put it every single time. Yeah, it goes in the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That doesn't oh, happen. Man. Be funny, though. That is a good job. That's a good one. No, thank you. Okay, so we get a sense of where she comes from. Uh, and then, so we have France is to the northern border of it at the time. So it still exists. It's just small. It's a cute little France. Um, and the king of France is this old ponderously large guy he was named king louis the 11th aka king louis the fat and he has uh two sons his first son died because he got bucked off a horse and you just can't survive something like that sucks yeah and his second son yeah just again what are you gonna do 82 she lived to 82 yeah and there people are just dying like that she was out there adventuring she went on a crusade yeah, this poor guy is just trying to ride to go by get the milk. river outside just, oh. of the city. He didn't even go somewhere. <laughs> He's he just was going just, on a scenic. It was autumn Sunday drive. Yes, he on was his just horse. going out to visit some people, and he died. Gets, yeah, he falls off a horse, dead. Didn't, didn't make it. I don't know. Maybe that's why, you know, the church was such a big thing. I, that's a, make a believer. Yeah, you could literally die Anytime. at any point. Anytime. Uh, so he knows that he, uh, King Louis the 11th knows that he's going to die and so he's, he's like, going to die yeah yeah he's like he's he's not italian but he's going to die <laughs> um, and he's like on his deathbed so he brings out his second son who he gave to the church a monastery when he was like a little kid so his second son is just like pious quiet monk-like just real uh obedient child calls him up and he's like Listen, I got the goods for you, okay? Uh, oh, wait, I forgot a very important thing. What is it? Eleanor's father died at the same time that we're having, th- that King Louis is having this conversation with his kid. Oh, wow. So Eleanor's father died. Remember the, the reader who's also big and brutish? Uh, he died. We don't know why, but we know it came from within his own ranks. Which I just find supremely interesting. That's super suspicious. Yeah. I mean, a place that's that culturally diverse, it could literally be anything. I mean, but you just did say they were like pretty much doing whatever they want. They probably made a lot of enemies along the way. Oh, my God. You're totally right. You know? Yeah. Somebody probably wanted him dead. Um, So he died within his own ranks and everyone was like, don't tell anybody. Do not tell anybody. Oh, they kept it a secret? They had to keep it a secret because now Eleanor was the heir to the best land. And back then, all some intrepid dude had to do was kidnap her, get married, and then it was his land. Yeah. So kidnapping is a big deal. 
It's like scary for a nobleman. So she's like, oh my God, my dad's dead. What am I going to do? And then the king of France is like, uh, hey, Louis, little Louis, his son. He's like, get out of that church. Come here. I got to talk to you. He's like, there's this real cool chick <laughs> down in Aquitaine. Um, she's got some cool stuff and she's said to be pretty and I think you might like her. Little Louis. Little Louis, come here. Hey, little Louis. Little Louis, come here. Why is Louis? It's supposed to be French. You got to meet this broad. It sounds so Italian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> little Louis, come here. We got to meet this broad. She got a lot of stuff. We want a stuff. And Louis, meanwhile, has literally succumbed. He's like, my whole life, I'm going to be a monk, a, a priest, a something. Like, I give my life to God. And this kid was like, all in, right? And all of a sudden, at 10 years old, they're like, no, just kidding. You're going to be a king. Yeah. yeah. Which he's, is the opposite. He's the youngest. He's like, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. Nobody God cares about me. me. <laughs> yeah. I'll just be a monk. He just set himself low expectations. That's what he went in with. Low mm-hmm. expectations. Mm-hmm. I'll just do something chill. I won't have to worry about no stress. And they're like, you're the king now. What? Get ready. Now you must love all things and not really care about God because God's going to fuck up your life. Because yep. that's what kings and priests, man. They're like, prepare to lead. Prepare for everyone to hate you. Yeah, what? Ten years old. <laughs> Get in there. It's the same well, old Louis. story. The farmer and the cow, man. Why can't they be friends? Yeah, yeah. That's an Oklahoma reference to all you musical inclined folk out there. I don't know if there's any, but there might be. Yeah. Okay, so he's like, you got to go marry her. And Louis's like, mm, all right. Mm. So they... <laughs> I love they, that. I love that. Mm. All right. All right. So they want to, like, charm her, I guess. Now, I want to hear your... My guess is charm... But I'm going to tell you what the, how they do it, and you tell me what you think, right? All right, think, yeah. Right? I'll, I'll tell you my first impression okay, of what they so do. Okay, so first they're going fast, right? They, we need to get there fast before she gets kidnapped. We are on a time crunch because someone's going to kidnap her. Like, that's a guarantee, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so they're like, it is July in France, and they have no AC, no ice, nothing. And right. they're like, we need every single fancy uh, knight, chevalier, whatever, 500 or more of like the most important people in France get into their carriages and make the month long journey south to where Eleanor is. Why so many people? That's what I'm asking you with King Louis. I have no idea. That's so confusing to me. Yeah. You would think they'd want less people so they could travel faster. Not like let's bring 500 people in a month. That's so long on the road. Yeah, on the road again. Oh, I can't sing anything, can I? Yeah, you can sing. Your singing's wonderful. Well, I thought there was like... <gasps> Maybe. I think it's like more than four bars. So what oh, you did was perfect. I stopped myself. <laughs> you're, you're totally right. Hey. Wait, I'm like, yeah, do whatever you want. Get them Eleanor vibes today. Yeah, we get one podcast and then we're canceled. <laughs> so yeah, uh, my first impression is I'm compl- I have no idea. I'm speechless. I don't know why they did that. Yeah. I get that they want to get to her and then be like, marry me so we can have all this stuff and be amazing. And then they just want all of her stuff, right? Of course. But yeah, why would why would you bring that many people? I have no idea. That makes no sense to me. Maybe they just want to be like, this is who he's in charge of. Look at all these people who think I'm important. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? Going back to episode one. 
Yeah, we were telling. It's the entourage. Yeah, he's got 500 people. That's a lot of people. And he's they're really 500 important. people in very expensive clothes. In carriages. In, in Yes. Well, honestly, did they do laundry? Did they pack more than a month's worth of clothes? I didn't say clean clothes. <laughs> Everyone stank back then. They couldn't tell. Yeah, you can't. You can't tell. I'm sure. It's nice clothes. Dirt doesn't count. We Wait, don't care if it's dirty. It's just if it's made nice. Or let's not. test this theory. You and I have both been in the field. Okay. For multiple weeks amongst smelly people. Yeah. Do you still smell them on week three? Or do you smell yourself first? Oh, my God. I can smell myself. It's really bad. I think, yeah, I think or everyone just... do you just, just keep a proper distance so you don't have to smell them? I think it's all... I think it's all... Everything like, possible. I stink, they stink, everyone stinks. So, yeah, you just... You notice the groups of people start getting wider and wider and wider, and then eventually you're like, yeah. oh, whatever. That's why at the traditional morning workouts in the Army, everyone stands in circles where we're all three feet apart. Yep, yep. There's no closeness there because yeah, we're all like, we we know too much about you. <laughs> it smells <laughs> like onions and ketchup out here. What's going on? <laughs> oh, memories. <laughs> uh, so I also think on one hand, I'm right. Okay, so the king of France really wants Aquitaine because he's got, that's one half. And then there's this other duchy he's trying to get or land or whatever. And then right in between these two lands is like one of his most annoying little provinces that he's trying to get and he can't get them. So he's yeah. like, he's going to do the pincer movement. Uh, and yeah, so, surround him. Yeah. yeah. Scissors, just cut it out, right? Uh, but but right before they go a month down, Eleanor's like, yeah, right. I don't think either of them were like in love, right? But they're like, yeah, yeah right. This is as expected. That's just what King of France, kind of thing. Of course, look at me. Look what I own. I could do worse. Yeah. I, <laughs> you. This is the most public kidnapping I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> at least they asked. Yeah. Well, I'm just, assuming they asked. They made a, <laughs> you said a anything. show of asking. Yeah. They brought 500 people, and everyone's like, "Oh, he can take her." Yeah. The question is, who did they ask? Did they? <laughs> that's a, yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, Eleanor is fifteen at the time. Yeah, and she, her dad's dead. Yeah. So I guess there's no one else to ask. Yeah, by their just... own people, she's probably trying to get out of there. Uh, yeah. Could be. Yeah. She's like, yeah, let's go right now. Let's so it get takes them a little over two months. Go down, get married, come back. As they're coming back, the king dies. The French king. The the French king. So now she enters. Paris, the new queen. How cool is that? Wow. Yeah. That mo that king had a genius plan. Genius pl in his mind, right? I don't know if it's genius. Genius plan in his mind. But it takes a month there and a month back. And by the time they get back, he's dead. Yeah. They've been, he's been waiting. So close. Do you need a towel? With the sippy cup and everything. You know, it didn't spill as much. <laughs> didn't spill as much. Red okay. spilled some wine. That's what happened. Aww. <laughs> Aww. Only a, a lot. I don't know if you hear me. I said only a lot. <laughs> Last time we did a podcast, we were setting it up and she had a cup with no lid. <laughs> and she turned and just knocked the whole thing over and so I gave her a sippy cup onto well, my desk with all my electronics I know I was like, Hello. <laughs> and so I gave her a cup with a lid and she said how come I have to have a cup with a lid <laughs> and then he spilled it again 
I'm just. I'm I don't just, remember this happening at all. <laughs> I'm just thinking about you, babe. I don't you, want. You got a lot of electronics around. I, I'm literally on a throne of electronics right now. I know you like to turn with your elbows out. I do. I throw I'm them just, bows. I'm yeah. embracing my inner Eleanor, which we have not quite yet learned about. Basketball skills just haven't quite gone away. Anyways. Tough ladies, man. We're going to do. Okay, so before do? we continue the Queen story, we're going to do a quick scene setting of Paris. Okay. Paris in 1137. I would give you more context than that, but I'm not sure anything with it. It's way before the Renaissance, way after the birth of Christ. It sounds good to me. Okay. So Paris at the time has two major sections of the city. They've got a royal section and a religious section. So the main city's kind of split. Um, the royal and all the stuff around that. The church, Notre Dame, which is not the current Notre Dame, but the same Notre Dame. Does that make sense? Same place, different church. Yes, but the same church, just not as fancy. Yeah, it's burned down like several times. Is that too soon? They I, just burned down like... <laughs> I don't know. It's happened before. You it think did, they it put did. some sprinklers or something in there. I don't yeah, know. It, well, it was standing for like three, four hundred years, I guess. Yeah, and, and then, then it burned down again. What are you going to do? Oh, they'll just rebuild it. I hope so. It's a beautiful church. I think. I've never been there. I've never been there either. Um, anyway, so two sections. Uh, and then outside the city, it's just surrounded by orchards and then further city sprawling out. Think suburbs, right? Like yeah, people yeah, who yeah. want to be in the city, but there's no space. So they're all around. To the north of the city, just north of the palace, is the market. Where you get all your tradesmen. That way the palace can get all their taxes. Uh, like we're keeping an eye on you out the back window, just staring at them. Yeah, from their, from their <laughs> status. Yeah. Mm. Hey, hey, I saw that. I get two ducats. I think I don't know French money. Two ducats. It sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it checks out. Sounds good to me. Yeah, and then um, this is the if you're above the city, you hear constant church bell ringing, right, as you go up, because it's like several stories to the buildings that crowd the city but there's not just notre dame there's at least five other major cathedrals and they're all different saints and they are all ringing their bells all the time and you got to go oh this is my saint going over you know which bell you are like connected to right (laughs) that's so funny and they're all just going all the time how crazy is that yeah they're all just competing for the airwaves yeah back before the radio yeah gotta ring our bell louder than them come on (laughs) You know they're all sitting in a circle too. Like, listen, we told you this is when we ring our bells. All right, ten to two. That's when we ring ours, and yeah. then you go ten to four, or sorry, two to four, and yeah. they're just sitting around arguing about how many. We yeah. need to ring our bells fifteen times a day. Yeah. We need to ring our bell. <laughs> and then they go back day. and they tell their bell ringer, and they're like, "Listen, we need you an extra three hours today because I'm not seeing enough attendance, and that's on you." Yeah. But they said not to. I said, "Do it." Enthusiasm. <laughs> I can hear it when I'm sleeping, and it doesn't sound like you want your heart's in it. <laughs> I went back to sleep. Can you believe it? I didn't even wake up. <laughs> Ridiculous. I fell asleep last night. <laughs> I need you to ring that bell harder. And then um, down on the lower levels of the city, you've got streets are the width of a sidewalk. So the city is completely crowded with these tall buildings that lean over these sidewalk width streets covered in refuse full of people no street is a straight line so everything's winding through and this is paris right yeah and you know it smells awful because there's no toilets oh we come back to the question 
Do they smell it at that point? I mean... Man, okay. Top three questions you would ask the first person you meet if you went back in time. Yeah. What does it smell like to you? What, what, yeah, what do they smell? Yeah. What, what do you smell right now? Oh, nothing. You'd be like, what? Um, what would your next question be? How's the food? It, honestly. Oh, like what's your favorite thing to eat? Or just how yeah, do you like, feel about food? They'll probably be like, we like whatever we could get. I guess the question would be pretty just, hungry. In my mind, yeah. <laughs> I was like, how's the food? And they're like, food is great. Any food. <laughs> Do you have food? Any food would be great. He said food, guys. Come here. Come here. He's got food. I haven't had food in years. (laughs) No, my question would be, like, does the food taste different? Is the traditional food the French are making actually taste the same? But I guess if you time travel, they wouldn't know. It's a tough question. They can't. Yeah, they're not tasting future food. I guess I would have to taste it both. What their favorite dish is and what's in it. It'd probably just be food in general. Uh, yeah. Anything? What you got? What you got? I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then let's do one more question. I would ask. Um, so um, what do you do for fun around here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you guys do? What do you what do you do in your free time? Free time. <laughs> All we got is free time. Future privilege. That's what that's called. Yeah. We're asking them first world problems. <laughs> So nah. what's the Wi-Fi password around yeah. here? I mean, I'm not getting any service. I, what? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Come on. We're in a city. Come on. Jesus Christ. Come on. You think they'd overcome this building issue? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So my favorite part of the city, we haven't even gotten to yet, but they had a whole part of the city on the other side of the religious side, the other side of the royals, and it was their academic section. So Paris had like dozens of major schools that drew young, poor eager students from around the world to study philosophy wow that's pretty cool yes they had um i'm going to give you kind of a description from the book of the different types and how the book described the different types of people i think it's really interesting and it should give you like a picture and then i'm going to ask you some questions so first we got english in their fur-lined coats because it's cold in england uh the brawling germans what are these gangs these are oh well it was saying all the students if you went to the academic section all the students were like in their home clothes. And so you could walk around these schools and see people from literally all over the world just hanging out together. Oh, okay. I, which is not something I ever pictured in the 11. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. But of course, this may be why Paris is like the city of lights, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you got the English in their fur coats, brawling Germans, which I love that description. The brutal Burgundians, the arrogant French, of course. Yeah. A, a, a non-Frenchman wrote this book, just so you know. <laughs> the impudent Bretons. Breton, like, um, from Skyrim. That's all I know about. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know, yeah. And um, the sarcastic men from Bern. They were always, they're, they're quick wits. And the rich Italians. Like, you get all these different peoples, and they're all just talking philosophy. And um, they they... Oh, wait, we're not at the questions yet. My bad. My bad. So it's just a bunch of gangs running around. It sounds honestly. Okay. This is why I included these philosophical questions. Oh. Because it is like a bunch of gangs. Yeah. Um, We'll find out later that in order to answer these questions, they would often settle their dialectical debates with real fights. 
and they would have like big parties out of it and they would like have the pope sponsor them or like do it in the name of socrates and like champion him and then they just fight it out <laughs> which i'm a, like that sounds like the medieval time i know <laughs> yeah it's just a bunch of medieval frat parties yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah. i think it sounds fun i would go hang out in the school area but here are some of the philosophical questions it's a paragraph but we're going to kind of take it bit by bit i'm going to get your feedback on it okay i'll try not to drag my answers out too long okay i like your answers all right well then i'll i'll just cut you off <laughs> anyways <laughs> moving on okay uh when we speak in universal terms of class and category do these terms correspond to realities existing outside the mind so it's saying if we're talking about class and categories does this respond connect to our thoughts about these things or do they really exist in the world I don't think it really exists. You think it's just in our head? I think it's just in your head. When we speak of the species man and the species animal, do these terms awaken idea an expanding of that, of collection, like of grouping? But does the idea of collection correspond to the reality outside the model, or is it more concept of the mind? Like thinking animal and man. Is it that's just in our head, then we're just animals. Yeah, so I, I'm confused with the question. Like, it's asking what makes us different from animals. In, in is, a sense, that's where an, we're going right now, yeah. Like, is there an actual difference? Or are we just the same thing? You know what I mean? I don't know. If, that's a, If there is a difference, is it only in our minds? Like I, you said, the, the differences are in our minds, but then what is different? It, it's taking that assumption that you would make and pushing it. This is how philosophy works. The next part is, but does the idea of collection correspond to a reality? Like, if we have these collections in our mind, does, does it correspond to the reality outside the mind, or is it a mere concept of the mind? Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. So now you're more leaning towards it being a reality outside the mind, right? I, I think that's, that's a good point. Yeah, it was leaning towards us, just all in their head. There's no actual difference. But I'm, I feel like that's the same thing. Like, there's no actual difference. Between your understanding of reality and what reality is? Yeah, and then, like, the last one it was saying, is there an actual, is oh, there more. even a possibility of a difference? Or is it just something your mind's created? And then, yeah. And then the final ending is, if these two terms, or, quote, universals, like, universal laws are not mere concepts, right? But if they correspond to realities, like animal and man, what is their nature? These ideas, these categories, what is their nature? Are they corporal entities? What is their mode of existing? Is there being outside the individual or do they live within us? This is just philosophy, right? Yeah. This yeah. is a direct quote from some of the philosophers at the time. I'm a, the I kind mean, of stuff they chatted about. I'm... I think I'm a pretty firm believer of the perception is reality thing, right? I think it kind of ties into like the world is a simulation thing also. Like everything happens in your brain and then that makes every, does that make any sense? Like absolutely, every, your senses yes. take everything in and then you're piecing together what happens. But if there was, it, this is another philosophical thing too if there was no brain there to soak in all this data would it happen 
You know what I mean? So I think it kind of ties into that. Yeah. Yeah. What data are we taking in? It has to exist. But are we taking it? How accurate are we taking it in? Yeah, exactly. Is it actually like. Does it exist? Do these ideas exist outside the mind? Yeah. Are they corporeal? I love that thought. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying the concept of animal is not a corporeal entity. I shouldn't say obviously, but I just I love playing with that idea. Like, that's crazy. That stretches my mind. And I think it's really cool. Anyway, so anyways, these students, they're just like starved, argumentative kids drinking beers and arguing about the con- the level and concept of the world in which we live. And I'm just like, what a cool place to be. The meaning of life. Yeah. Yeah. What a cool place to be. Just a loose Tuesday afternoon. Hanging out. Hanging out. And this is Paris at the time. Wow. You could see why this was like a pretty major city, right? And then we get Louis returning to Paris with his new queen. It is a big day, right? Except they show up and Paris is kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Who (laughs) are you again? Literally no one cares. (laughs) Who cares? cares. (laughs) Uh, So Louis's still like 12 or something, right? So he just goes back to school. (laughs) That's probably why no one cared. They're like, yeah. Two children showed up and they're like, we're in charge of everyone. Everyone's like, all right, whatever. Uh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. back to second grade. <laughs> uh, Louis went back to school. He, was, uh, he came across very pious. He would fast with the monks every Friday. Uh, he sang with the choir every Sunday. He wore simple clothes. Uh, he wore the mo- robes sometimes. And if you didn't know who he was, people just thought he was just a kid. They didn't know he's the king right, while he yeah. was out doing all this stuff, right? Yeah. He was just living his life. Um, and then, of course, can you guess what Eleanor had to do when she first shows up? I don't know, like a dog and pony show or something? It's a great, it's a great guess. But remember, no one cares. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But also, nobody knows who she is, probably. Okay. Flip it and reverse it. <laughs> I can't remember the first part of that, but she doesn't know who anyone is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she also kind of has to go to school. She has to learn the local language. You know, people travel was hard back then. Yeah. So it's a whole new dialect. She had to learn how to talk like the locals and she had to learn the entire hierarchy of nobility and popes and people who died and who people are. So she had a way more boring study, I think, except for the language. That sounded pretty cool. Um. Yeah, she has to have a crash course. Yes. On the place she's in charge of now. Yes. Yeah, she doesn't know anything about it. Eleanor, get to work. God. <laughs> and she's like 10? 15. Oh, she's 15? Yeah, she's older. She's older than him? Yeah. That's even better. That's yeah. great. She, she out here living her life. Yeah, she's like, go to school. Gosh. Um, But, okay, so what you know, there is not a lot of actual documents of Eleanor in this. So we have to, like infer and then kind of look at how the story ends and see how if it matches up with what we're inferring and what all the male historians are not writing about her right yeah yeah um thinking about where she grew up and then she comes to the city that's all about questioning and then what's more the school area the academic part of the city they uh show off how popular they are by how many women attend their lectures and so women are like invited uh, because they could be like, I got 
so many I get the noble women are pressing their face up against the glass and watching me walk by. This is Professor X. I don't know. You know Professor like, X. <laughs> I assume. Uh, so it was like a big deal to women for women to join in. It was like a sign that you were doing good. That's which is cool. crazy. It is, yeah. You wouldn't think that. So wouldn't you assume Eleanor would engage? She'd uh, yeah. definitely feel comfortable in that from where she came from. Yeah, I think so. It might even be like the place where she felt the safest. Yeah, I'd be surprised if she didn't want to go. Yeah. But maybe she just doesn't want to be another statistic. Oh, yeah, like she's oogling the professors. I'm not sure she's worried about that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Could be a statistic. Uh, so hold on just a sec. Do, do, do. Do, do, do. Okay, I got, here are the two actual questions I got that they like to discuss on the streets. The street, man, the streets were a wild place back then. Yeah, get your pint. You're walking around, you're trying to get gas late at night, and you got all these punks coming up to you asking you psychological questions. Are you ready? If a shield is white on one side and black on the other, what color is it? It's white and black. Discuss. No, one color. What color is it? Is it the color that's on the front? Is it both colors? Th- Is it whatever you see in that moment? I think it's the the thing on the front. So it's white. If white's okay. on the front. Whatever okay. side Question is away two. from you, that's what I think it is. Unnoted, unnoted scholar. Scoot. I loved your answer. I mean, in my mind, it's like, what color is your car? I don't know. <laughs> Pearl. It was a rhetorical question. <laughs> I don't know what it is. We both have white cars, babe. <laughs> we both have white cars. But my point is that <laughs> it's not like we have different colors. The cars. color that makes it impossible to find in a parking lot. Because I really struggle with this. Oh, yeah. She can't tell what shape the car is. And it, yeah, now it's white. They all look alike. So park next to five other white cars. Um, no, it's going to say, like, in my. So that question was if it's white on the front, black on the back, what color is it? I'm like, no one's saying, oh, I have a tan car because my interior is tan. They're saying I have a black car because the outside of my car is black. We accept as a society that the paint on the exterior painted parts is the color of your car. Yes, yeah, what everyone else sees. And so that's the color you say it is. So that's what I would That's why I'm saying I think it's the one on the outside of the shield. It's the generally accepted truth and not the actual truth. Yeah. I'm the only one seeing the inside. Right, but everyone else is going. What about the chrome? Oh, he has a white shield. What? And the tr- the chrome. You can see chrome. For what? The silver stuff on the outside of the car. Oh no, I was talking. I was on the shield again. Oh. I know. Oh. I'm, I know. They I'm not using a lot of colors. Shields. Yeah. What about the chrome? Okay. Like, what chrome? <laughs> okay. They got um, some spinners on their let's shields do out here. Two. <laughs> if a pig is being taken to market, is it held by the driver or is it held by the rope? What? There's no setup to that question. I'm assuming. Yeah, you have to you have to be on the end with Paris life. <laughs> that one has you got to know what's happening. I'm like, what? what kind of question is that? Pig via rope to market. And they're asking what's taking that pig to the market. Is it the man or is it the rope? It's the man. Because if it's just a pig tied to a rope, that pig wouldn't be going to the market. But what if the rope breaks? The guy could still pick the pig up. Not if the pig runs away. Well, what if he's really fast? 
Look at us having a philosophical we're question. We're so smart. Oh, my God. <laughs> Geniuses. Uh, we're just recreating for all our listeners the effect of Paris. We should really and, move through this so yeah, we can get but, into Hold on. My argument. No, we're not talking about this. <laughs> my argument is that without that guy pulling the rope, he would never get to market. But that rope could be gone and he could still get that pig to market. Right? Depends on the size of the pig. Okay, yeah. What if it's like yeah, a four hundred pound pig? It's it's philosophical. <laughs> yeah. I am using the philo like <laughs> You can't use that as an excuse. <laughs> Maybe he just herds it there. I don't know. Oh yeah. Just like okay. I'm pretty no, sure you can do that. I've seen people with their little sticks and pigs at the four H meetings. They have a stick and they're oh, just yes, like grab whacking it in the chin and it walks wherever they want. He I'll doesn't need a rope. I honestly have you ever seen a pig tied? to something no i haven't what are you gonna yeah that's okay hold on what kind of question is that <laughs> of oh. course it's not the rope they never even it's a trick this question city is you ridiculous. can't even tie a pig up <laughs> i feel like you would have really liked this town oh i would have been coming in with all this stuff <laughs> yeah have you ever tied a pig up and be like well no but it's just what do you it's know? just the point of the story is you tie a pig up and then i'll answer this question all right <laughs> you, you can't you, you said i'll I'll, I'll fight you if you bring a pig to the fight. Yeah. And on a rope. Yeah. Bring it here with a rope tied <laughs> oh, to it. Oh, it didn't work. Guess you lost. <laughs> Idiot. I'm not okay, next question. These uh, are fun. I'm no, having that a was good it. time. Oh, that was it? But they were direct questions from the time, which I think is super fun. <laughs> I think um, it's fun, too. Maybe they were really good at leading pigs around with ropes. I don't know. I'm. They had to be good at something. Apparently, they're good at asking these questions with no correct answers and then just arguing. Only, yeah, the people with no money who didn't feel like lead bigs around. <laughs> yeah. I'll go be a student. That is my dream life right there. That sounds good. You asked them what they did for fun, I guess. Yeah, there you answer. go. Yeah. That's, you know, I sh that was a silly question. Um, so Eleanor moves into the palace of this city. And it's not that big of a palace. So... Old King Louis, the one who passed, his wife had been living there. She was very quiet, very pious, very calm. She moved out um, to, to like a pal, a castle she had very far away. She was like, I'm quitting this life. Yeah, the summer house. Yeah. To the summer house forever. And Eleanor moves in with this rowdy, giant entourage of Aquitanians. And they turn the palace into like a brawling, drunken party. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, she's 15, I, but yeah. 15 in the Middle Ages, that's, I guess it's kind of an Is she adult, bringing... So. My, okay, here's a philosophical question for you. <laughs> you would get the ASMR going there. Yeah. <laughs> um, is she bringing a bunch of 15-year-olds? Is she bringing all her friends? Or, like, who is she bringing to this? Um, Queen's entourage is, like, her court. Nobility, who hangs out with her. Yeah, 15-year-olds. I just picture her... Moving into this castle and bringing all of her friends. The so it's just like a bunch of teenagers in this <laughs> castle. And the. Every 80s movie. Yeah. Lil Louie, Lil Louie's mom, the widow queen, is like, I'm not fucking staying here. No thanks. Hell no. I'm going to my place in the Hamptons. I'll move away forever. <laughs> I'm never coming back here again. Louie, what have you done? Lil Good Louis. luck. You're doing this by yourself. Yeah. Leaves. Get your wife. <laughs> Someone come get their wives. <laughs> Uh, so Louis, uh, for his part, is reported to be absolutely devoted to Eleanor over their time. They're in Paris over a period of 10 years. 
before they leave. Is it weird to think that's romantic because they're so young? They're getting older. Okay. They're 18 um, in this now. Well, we're going to shoot ahead. Let's say he's like 15, so she's like 18. Okay, yeah. I, but again, I'm not trying to make like weird stuff like that. No, we're talking just, about that's just how it was back then. Yes. Eleanor is literally not in the history books as being listed as anything, right? So we have to read between the lines. And we know Louis yeah. grew up in a monastery, was like uh, super pious, loved to sing in church on a quiet, obedient kid that he's got just, thrust into kingship. He's just a good old Christian boy. Well, that's a weird thing to say. I know, that's why I said it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no no shade. No, uh, yeah. But also some shade. Because <laughs> we're all... Okay. Um, so he led an army personally to Toulouse. It happened to be a place that Eleanor had been claiming was her inheritance by right via her grandmother, the Countess of Toulouse. She's oh, and like, he's going to get it? That place belongs to me. So he went, oh. led an army, and he went and got it for her. Wow, what a good man. And he was there the whole time. Like, he led it. He quenched an uprising in her home capital back in uh, Aquitaine. Just destroyed it. And with his own hands, he hacked off the hands of people who were not, who were, they were basically rebellion. Rebelling? Yes. A group of people were rebelling back in Eleanor's capital where she was raised. And he went out there and cut off their hands. Yeah. Thank you. I don't, why I struggled so much saying that. (laughs) But there you go. So this is like the intro into it. And everyone's kind of like. That's weird. But no one really notices, right? Because there's other shit going on in Paris. Yeah. So Louis just out here trying to make his ladies happy. And everyone's yeah. like, all right, he's Louis is doing some Louis. Louis. Can I just call Lil him Louis? Little Louis. Little Louis. Little Louis. Louis is out here just like getting some stuff done. But it doesn't really affect me at all. I'm busy drinking and discussing philosophy. Yeah. Or I'm busy ringing these bells day and night to get people in my <laughs> church. Damn bells. Yeah. He's just like happy wife, happy life. He's yes. got his little honey-do list, squashing yeah. <laughs> rebellions, taking counties back. Yes, um, but now we're about to dig into the real brunt of today's story. Okay. Uh, with the return of a man called Abelard. So Abelard was, 15 years before this, banished. And he was supposed to never, ever return. All of his writings were burned, and he was supposed to be like erased from history. Because what he had written about in these documents were saying that logic and understanding is how you get close to God and that you should be able to read stuff for yourself to understand what's going on and you don't need the church to be close to God. So he pretty much said you should be able to read and everyone was like, this dude's crazy. Get him out of here. Yeah. Use your reasoning. Use your logic. And they're like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And he's going to destroy the church. So he got burned, banished. Anyway, he comes back to Paris around this time. And he starts preaching and, like, talking and, like, hey, uh, you don't know me, but you know me. And here's my writings. It's not all burned yet. You can read it. And people are like, we fucks with this guy. You know, there are a bunch of young scholars that live on controversy. Oh, my gosh. The more arguments, the better. You know, that's the vibe. Uh, so he's back, and um, at first, the the guy who's in charge of Notre Dame is kind of like, I really don't want to deal with this. 
He's like, no thanks. So he's trying to ignore it. But then he looks up one day and he realizes that his church and like all the other churches are empty. And they've got no one to like send out to the countryside churches because everyone's going over to the scholar side. Oh, wow. He totally disrupted the balance yeah. of power. And so the guy who's in church at Notre Dame, his name's Bernard. He is kind of a big deal in this story. He's kind of a big deal. Yes. Um, he's like, I really do not want to fight you, but ugh, I guess we will. <laughs> I was like, fine. Um, and then this is the time when he decides that he's like going to approach Abelard about his activities. It is the spring of 1140. Hmm. So I guess she is 18. Yeah, she's Louis born must be in like 22, 16, right? 15, 16, yeah. Yeah. Um, at the same time, this this is the spring is the time everyone takes pilgrimages in medieval Europe. Yeah, because it's not muddy. It's not muddy. It's not and muddy I guess winter was just generally hated because no one could go anywhere because <laughs> it was too cold. So people back then would just sit in their house all winter. They just got seasonal depression and like be crazy. sad and yeah. cold and bored and tired of talking to the same people every day. And so that spring would come. They'd be like, it's pilgrimage time. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out of here. I'm going on a trip. Where are you going? I don't know. Let's see someone's bones. I just got to go. Sick of this place. <laughs> yeah. They're like living in stone houses, too, which has got to be freezing. No uh, warmth held in that. That's for sure. Every single one's got a draft. Yeah. It's probably got rats and How's stuff that in there. Those are warm, though. They're shit in the streets. Okay. You just say rats are warm. Yeah. Yeah, they burn real good. <laughs> Cuddle up. Get the black death. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. What, what, I can't remember the dates of the black death, but I now I want Honestly. to place that around this series of young Eleanor events. Uh, so everyone's taking a pilgrimage at this time that Abelard's come back and Bernard do you remember the two? Abelard is the banished guy and the Bernard is guy, the yeah. Notre Dame guy. Okay. Yeah. So they're about to get into it and they have pilgrimage season and like the whole city is crushed with pilgrims, right? It's just shoulder to shoulder. Everyone's visiting. Um, there is good reason to believe Thomas Beckett is a part of this pilgrimage crowd because Thomas Beckett, who is a major, major figure at the end of Eleanor's life with the death of her second husband and her imprisonment and like that whole deal. Yeah. He started off as a penniless scholar around this time in Paris. Wow. When Eleanor was queen. Um, so that's kind of a fun fact. Uh, but yeah, he has an inquiry with Abelard. So he brings Abelard to the church and he's like, we're going to have you defend yourself publicly for all of this crazy stuff you've been saying. And we're going to give you a chance. And then obviously they're going to put him down and win. That's yeah, the church's they're goal. Just, they're just going to roast him in front of everybody. Yeah. And they're going to be like, you can defend yourself. And so um, at this inquiry, they've got King Louis up there. They probably have Eleanor. I don't know why she wouldn't be there. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, I'm sure she's there. Right? They don't mention her, but she's got to be there. They don't not mention her. <laughs> I don't know. What That's that all we need. Um, you know, they've got a whole, uh, it's crowded of pilgrims. They all want to see like this crazy inquiry going down with a very famous person. We've got uh, this guy called the Count of Nevers. And for the record, coolest name ever. Yeah, I gotta what a name. put that in my book. Count of Nevers. So cool. And a little baby future pope named Hyacinthus Bobo. 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 How do you spell that? B-O-B-O. B-O-B-O. Double the onions. That's gross. Um, but the, you know, it's just 
you go back into history and it's like all the important people all knew each other the whole stinking time. Yeah. And everyone else doesn't really matter. It's kind of ridiculous, right? Um, so, do you want to take a stab on how Abelard or Bernard attack each other in this inquiry? I'm guessing it's some kind of debate. Right? You would think that, right? Right. Like, that's what Abelard's ready for because that's his thing. Yeah, like, it's going to be, like, you were just saying, uh, everything's been kind of this, I keep wanting to say psychological, but it's not. It's philosophical, right? Yes. Yeah, it's been a philosophical debate. Yes, so everyone's ready. Yeah, so that's what I would assume it'd be. They're like, oh, yeah, they're going to debate with the church. Oh, my gosh, we've been waiting for this forever. Yeah, Everyone's so excited. They're pumped, especially in Paris at the time. And this is really, I'm telling you the story so you can get a sense of who Bernard is, right? And so they go and Bernard goes up to start the inquiry. And before he does anything, he opens Abelard's text, the one that got burned. And in the coldest, driest, uninflected voice, begins to read it like a robot. Wow, that'd make anything boring. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, he doesn't ask any questions. He does nothing else. He just continues to read page after page of Abelard's incisive, divisive, rebellious text like a robot for literally everybody to hear. Yeah. It's so brilliant. It is smart. Yeah. If you want no one to be interested in this stuff, just make it super boring. Yeah. And so Abelard, after a few pages have gone by, finally loses his mind because he's ready to debate. And he stands up. And he says, I'm not going to be treated like a clerk or something. I don't know what that means. But then he says, I'm, I appeal to Rome. I appeal to Rome. I appeal to Rome. And then he walks out. And that's the end of that little mini story. But it's basically, this is Bernard, right? Yeah. He's very influential. He's in charge of Notre Dame. And he's kind of a thorn in a lot of people's sides. So I'm guessing that it sounds like the church won. Yeah. Like they beat him. Yeah. By just he reading left. his stuff. Yes. That's crazy. How brilliant. It's so smart. Yeah. So um, it's also probable, you know, that Eleanor and Bernard met, or shall we say, re-met. Wait. Yeah. So, There's okay. backstory. Eleanor met the church guy? Yes. Like, actually talked. It's a big city. Yeah, yeah. She's but been they, studying and stuff. But this probably is probably the time where she, is. like face-to-face was like oh you and he was like oh you i know you i know you they have a past not like that though maybe like that um so <laughs> when eleanor was little let's go back to her dad her awesome crazy fire and brimstone violent reader dad violent and, reader yes this is how we describe him <laughs> literally so cool um but he was like in one of his many bouts of being excommunicated from the pope and he was like, I will do anything before I do what the Pope wants. And he was like, so uh, digging his heels in. And they were finally like desperate for anyone to convince him to change his mind. So they sent Bernard. And Bernard's like, ugh. Yeah, this guy hates confrontation. <laughs> he does. And he's constantly in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah, send him. And he's like, oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. Uh, and so he's like out there on the edge of her dad's territory his name's Guillaume or something I really can't say it so I'm not gonna try it he's out on the edge of the territory and he's like uh preaching 
And Guillermo is like, I'm done with this. We're going to do something about it. So he rides all the way out to this church where he knows Bernard has like set up camp. Walks all the way up to the threshold, right to the point where if he took one step further, he would get in like super duper trouble because he's excommunicated. Oh, right, right, right. Right? And he stops and he's like ready for a confrontation. But before he can say anything, Bernard, who wasn't expecting him, totally surprised, grabs the picks. Do you know what the picks is? Did no. I say it right? It's the word that I found for the little smoky thing that Oh, Catholic, yeah, yeah. I don't remember what it's called, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I think everyone knows what I'm saying. The swinging smoke thing. Yeah. P-Y-X, however you say that. I'm guessing picks. Yeah, you know better than me. It smells good, though. It does? Yeah. I'd like to smell it. I think it's frankincense. I could be wrong. Nice. So he just, he sees them instantly, without a thought, grabs the picks and starts chanting and praying and slowly walking up to him, chanting and praying, chanting and praying. And as the story goes, Eleanor's dad falls into like a stroke and is foaming at the mouth and falls to the ground and everyone's trying to see like the strongest craziest man of their province just at the feet of this amazing bernard yeah and bernard's just just like i didn't know what to do so i just prayed for him (laughs) keep that fucking thing on me yeah stay strapped get clapped he's just got his incense burner on him (laughs) hey that's all Uh, you need uh. all you need but out on the outside he was like oh yes child Yes. We'll reinstate you. Can I leave now, please? Fear me. Yeah, please. <laughs> I don't want to talk to anyone else. Oh, my gosh. All right. So we talked about Bernard and Eleanor. Let's go back. Well, we talked about how Bernard... Let's start over. <laughs> let's go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. Let's, yeah. Who are we talking about again? <laughs> What's the story no, for this No, it can't be funny. Now we got to keep this in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. You should leave it in. Uh, okay. All right, so who are we talking about this podcast again? We, we just finished the story of Guillerme, Eleanor's dad, and Bernard. Right, right. And then let's go back to then present day, <laughs> to the time with Abelard and Bernard. And that's probably when Eleanor and Bernard were both like, I know you. Because yeah. I was like, what? I know you. Yeah, because of oh her dad. Oh my God, this guy's daughter's over here. Shit. So, um. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, right, we're kind of smudging some years together, but p- people who are paying attention would notice that little pious Louis is becoming more and more of a chaotic question mark. We mentioned the things he did earlier, right? Right, right. And he is continuing to do things, and now, as he's doing some things which we'll get into, Bernard is all of a sudden helping all of Louis's enemies that he's making. Oh, he's kind of against... This is little Louis? Little Louis, growing up. He's making making a bunch of enemies. Yep. And then this guy, Bernard, who's like, you know, mm, sus, is now like, well, I'm going to help you out. Oh, Louis was mean to you? Come over here. We'll help you. Oh, isn't little Louis the worst? Yeah. Don't you hate him so much? So Louis got into a huge fight with the Pope. Because he got installed and the Pope was like, we're sending you your newest uh, royal bishop person to be in the palace and yeah. he and this guy shows up and louis like no you're not allowed in here and locks the doors won't even let him in the city <laughs> just left him on red yeah this guy was like all embarrassed and had to go to the nearest town in tybalt's place ah. in charlemagne Sh- champagne champagne champagna i don't know the right champagna. the official way to say historically uh he had to like run over there and be like they were mean to me yeah and- they'll, they'll walk of shame 
Yeah, walk of sh- uh, uh, religious walk of shame. <laughs> they wouldn't open the door. I had to walk over here. Right, and then Louis is... Uh, so Eleanor's got a younger sister named Pampion or some weird P name. I don't know. Okay. Pimpillion. Pimp. <laughs> the, the, the little one. And she's trying to get her sister married off to this guy that's got a bunch of stuff. And Eleanor's like really dedicated to this. So she's like... Uh, hey, Louie, this guy is already married to the daughter of Champagna, Champagna. Champagne. And he's like, she's like, but I really want the same guy married to my sister. So can we fix that? And Louie's like, I got you, boo. OK, we can't keep using that every episode, but we did. Hey, um, so Louie's like, yeah, 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 I, uh, no problem. And so he tries to annul it, doesn't work. So they run to the mountains up north and they get married in secret like priests that are like not loosely connected with the pope yeah I. so the guy who's already married runs off to marry to marry eleanor's, eleanor's little sister younger sister right and then the pope finds out and he's like that's not a real marriage hell no and they drag him back and yeah the girl's not really married and it's like eleanor's upset and louis in more trouble and then bernard the whole time is like you guys are causing problems and I'm helping the religious people and you guys suck. Yeah. You guys keep making me confront people and I hate that. Yeah. I really get this sense from Bernard because yeah. like, can I just live my life? But he keeps succeeding in these <laughs> crazy moments. And yeah. so they keep putting him in positions of power and he's like, oh, he's good at what he does. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I just want to keep working. <laughs> Why do I have to be so good at it? I was just going to read his papers. I didn't know what to do. And then I won that. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't his plan at all. He just went in there and was like like, reading it. He's just so boring. Reading as interesting as he can manage. (laughs) He's just so boring. Everyone's like, oh, my God, I hate it. He's like, well, I guess that worked. Just like the incense thing. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. Just grabbed it. Oh, there we go. And the other guy just passes, has a seizure for some reason. He's like, I knew exactly. That was my whole plan the whole time. Yeah, this guy's got some crazy, crazy stories. (laughs) Uh and, and but you know he is trying to help all these people that Louis is pissing off. Um, the marriage didn't work out, so after that happened, Louis decides to invade Champagne. Champagne. He's is that like the guy's name or the town's this, name. This is the town. The guy's like Tybalt, maybe okay. Thy Thybult, similar to the name last um, episode. Okay. A whole bunch of letters. Yeah, we're just gonna call it Champagne. The land of champagne. Okay. And then if I'm wrong, at least you know which wrong thing I'm talking about. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so he's like, no, we got married and we have that land now through Eleanor's sister. And so he invades champagne and just starts butchering people. Wow. Little pious Louis. Yes. Little Louis. Little Louis. And there's a story where he walks into a village destroys all the houses in the village and all the villagers run to the church for safety. And Louis goes up and burns down the church and witnesses over a thousand innocent villagers die inside the church. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this is, who is Louis? <laughs> this is the town. This is just a random the town. Younger sisters. This is a small village in the land that they were trying to acquire mm. through marriage. Oh, I see, I see, I see. The people there, they're just trying to live their they're lives. Just unrelated. Yeah. yeah, they're just in the way. Yeah. Um, so I guess that story with the villagers dying in the church was kind of a straw that broke Louis's back cuz after that he kind of went from like pure like action 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 
everything, which really helps Eleanor to like super depression yeah. and just like completely retreats and gets kind of fucked up. Meanwhile, Bernard, which is supposed to be kind of managing Louis, right? And then there's this other guy that raised Louis, who's the same position in the religious hierarchy. His name is Sugar, but with an E. Suger. 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 I don't know. Sugar. Um, Bernard and Sugar, neither of them did anything because, honest to God, both of them assumed the other would take care of it. Yeah, they just hate confrontation. <laughs> both of these guys are like, well, I thought you were going to get it. I'm busy over here building. Well, Sugar was building a new abbey. Yeah. And Bernard's like, I'm running Notre Dame. Can you? Can, I'm running this yeah, whole I'm, ass city. I'm a little busy here. And neither of them want to deal with Louis. And Louis just out there murdering villages. Uh, <laughs> because for the Eleanor's marriage didn't sister, work out. Yeah. And he wanted the lands. So um, Sugar decides that he's like, all right, I think the king needs a pick me up. And we're going to have a big party because my abbey is finished and invite everybody and dedicate the bones. And that'll cheer him up. And he's they had it. And there were tons of people there like crushed in. And one of the descriptions descriptions was you could walk across the shoulders of people it was so crushed in the oh, church wow. i thought it was a really cool description that is um and he was like yeah it worked the king looks happier i at this point what is louis you know i have no idea what's going on with that kid he's done he's gone from chill just living in the moment right to overly to like pious married yeah and he was like doing all the stuff she wanted to now he's burning down villages because he's not getting what he wants to back to like depressed and like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing trying to make your lady happy and there's another that's just outright murder. Yeah. What kind of person goes that far? And then if they go that far, why do they stop? Yeah. And it was just a random village. Yeah. It wasn't like anywhere important. No, they were yeah, just he's... ransacking because they were mad. I... Had a little, it was just a little temper tantrum. I... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no big deal. Kings are crazy. No big deal. I'm glad I don't know any personally. <laughs> she said ominously. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not let that be a thing. Anyway, um, so it's like, oh, yeah, the king looks better. And so Sugar goes up to Eleanor. This is kind of the big finale of our story, right? Yeah. He goes up to Eleanor and he's like, Eleanor, listen, um, I know you're his wife. And I know there's not much you can do. But if you could just use your womanly influence... Because this guy is very errant. He is um, <laughs> out of control, right? Yeah, he's a little could crazy. You, could you do something? And then he tells her, he's like, listen, if there's consequences, if you try to like stand up to him and there are consequences, just come running to me and I will be ready with the love of God. And that, like, this is how he's talking to her, right? Yeah. And he's like, I'm here for you. I just need you to do something because I'm not doing anything. And clearly neither is Bernard. <laughs> It's all up to Eleanor. Yeah. And Go fix your mans. Eleanor responds with, how about you give us what we want? <laughs> Dang. She's backing him. <laughs> she's like, she's backing, how, him. she's backing him or she's the brains. Oh Yeah. I'm sure she's the brains. Right? Yeah. But it's like for the first time in written history, we have someone talk talking directly to Eleanor. Yeah. And the very first time we have someone directly talking to her, we get her being like, how about you give him what you want? And then we could talk about it. Yeah. 
And then it was to the point where he was like, no, I just thought. And she was like, just give us what you want. I don't see what the problem is. And like starting a fight with him when he was like, we can't talk about this here. And he ran away. <laughs> and that was Eleanor. Um, yeah, she's he, like, pay me $50 million and I'll make this problem go away. Oh, so you can deal with it. How about you let that guy marry my sister? What's the problem? Yeah. Why, why is this such a thing? And then he wouldn't be attacking all those lands. Yeah, she's like, this is your fault. Yeah. Don't be coming at me. How about, oh, oh, here's what it was. She was like, how about you use your influence yeah. with the Pope? Yeah. And, you know, get that sister marriage fixed. And mm -hmm. then if it's any problem, you can come talk to me about it. Yeah. I feel like that's what Eleanor I'll be would here. do. I'll be here if you have any consequences, Mr. Yeah. Pope guy. It's 18-year-old Eleanor. What a what a yeah. doll. Wow. What a what a way to be a woman back then. She really turned that around on him. Yeah. That's how you make a splash with your entry into the historical documents. I tell you what. Uh, and uh, that ended, that whole Abbey consecration ended with a treaty. So we're at the end of the story. And, like, the Bernard and the Pope, the Bernard... And Louis, and they're all like, okay, we'll stop killing your people. Okay, we'll give you this back, blah, blah, blah. And they kind of, like, make a tenuous peace, but they don't make a peace over, like, serious issues, and they all just agree not to talk about it. And then her life continues, as you know now, in a ridiculous fashion. Crusade, divorce, kidnapping, marry another king, divorce, yeah. imprisoned, mother of two kings, and live forever. Forever, yeah. And that is the intro of Eleanor into the world stage. One of my favorite people in all history. Wow. Yeah, named your CRV after her. I did. I did. She's a crusader. A CRV. Yeah, she's a trooper. Limping along, <laughs> but never falls. Not okay, too fast. So, um, not as surprising a story as last week, but I... I think interesting. Yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah, more of a biopic kind of thing than a story arc. <laughs> yeah, than this crazy thing happened. I think it was interesting. I think Bernard was a very interesting character. He really was, wasn't he? He was just kind of out here trying to avoid responsibility, and he kept getting sucked back into it. Yeah, so funny. So funny. Because he just kept doing, like, the least amount of work in any yeah, situation. And yeah. apparently it was the perfect thing to do. It kept working. I can see why you would really relate to that. You're yeah. just like, man, things just work out, I guess. I don't know. Have you tried, uh, yeah, someone's like, what do I do for this problem? He's like, well, this this is what I did, and it worked. You know that person <laughs> tried it, and it didn't go at all like that. Yeah. So um, if there's any point in this whole story that made you really say that happened, what would it be? Uh, him... Bernard reading the the thing in the debate. I love that image. Yeah, reading Just, the other guy's stuff. So boring that no one wanted to hear it ever again. And it worked. Yeah. And Abelard was like, no, I've been foiled. <laughs> that happened. So if you ever, okay, today's moral. We got to do a moral. Today's moral. Oh, okay. Is if you ever get into like an argument with somebody, just say the same words back to them in the most boring, empty voice you can manage. Yeah, invite everyone you know. Just read their Facebook posts. Yeah. With, <laughs> with the most monotone voice you can think of. I love that. And then everyone will laugh that person out of the room. It takes yeah. a bit of setup, but it's worth it. It's yeah, worth it, I think. Yeah, I think it's more of the setup than the actual event. 
Okay, this is a terrible moral, I think. <laughs> Inhumane and cruel. Yeah. If someone does that to me, I will be scarred for that life. That would be messed up, honestly. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't do this moral. Um, the moral is that just because you're not talked about doesn't mean you're not important. I don't know. What do you got? Do you got a moral? Um, no, I don't. That was... <laughs> I don't. I don't. Let me try another one. You're coming up with them really fast. Quick on my feet. I know. I can't think of anything. Okay. The moral of the story is... Um, well, I'm not that quick, apparently. <laughs> the moral is when someone finally talks to you one-on-one, -on -one, like Eleanor. Yeah. You got to hit them with something that's oh. going to make it into the history books. First impressions. First impressions. Are everything. That's, what it, that's what it is. Yeah. Hell yes. I love that. First impressions. The power of first impressions. And now we know Eleanor is one of the most lauded and amazing women in medieval history. Yeah. First impressions. First impressions. All right. Thank you. Um, we had a new outro. What was the outro? I think we said we were going to talk about it. <laughs> I didn't come up with any. I didn't either. So that happened. That Yeah, that did happen. And we are so grateful to those of you that have listened to our lovely story about the medieval era and answered all our questions on your own. I hope that you had some awesome answers. And we hope that you like, rate, and review and all those wonderful things. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah.